Well, hello and welcome to Nope Country, a podcast about modern country music and what it means. I'm your host, Patrick Michaels. And I'm Andrea Grimes. And we're here in the Nope Country recording studio with all of our sound team. <laughs> we're, uh, you can check the show notes for a photo of the studio um, and see our engineers, uh, <laughs> Fizzy, who's currently sniffing the microphone, and Stella, who is asleep on top of me. Um, who are just making sure the show, you know, runs smoothly and it, is knocking things over. It's been almost a year since the last episode. Has it? Did we even air the last episode? <clears throat> there were two episodes, I think, that got lost. Okay. Uh, one in a laptop that got stolen. Oh, right. One that just never made it to air. I'm not <laughs> sure where it went. I don't know where it is. We've anyway. been fine-tuning the sound, which we decided we needed more animals in it. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, and more like more like jostle the microphone around and uh, like scrape and sniff and all people that. love it. What are we going to talk about on the show today, Patrick? I just wanted to know if they if you had if you had any recent country music thoughts. Uh, no, I don't listen to music until you tell me that it's good. And then <laughs> I've been I, trying to get you to listen to Amanda Shires for uh, for weeks. She's the uh, Phil player. Uh huh. Um, I liked that. We listened to that when we cooked the other night. It was good. Jason is in Jason is Bell's band. That's true, yeah. or also maybe his wife and family. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> oh. <laughs> true. That's yeah, good. She's good. I like many people enjoy the new Casey Musgraves record. Yes, that came out uh, since we've, we've talked. I don't like it as much as I like her other records, which I believe is controversial. But I like it when she sings about herself and her life. And the contradictions of the country lifestyle and country womanhood. And uh, there's less of that on this record than there is on her other records, which is fine. She That's can be whoever she wants to be. It's more like sonically adventurous, this one. Yeah, like High it. Horse is so good, though. Like, I am yeah. I am extremely here for the current disco country um, revival thing that is happening. I think it's great. I'm it's a lot of fun. Super into it. Uh, what about you, Patrick? What have you been enjoying in the country music sphere? Well, I, I guess I asked also because I just read the Eric Church interview in Rolling Stone. Oh yeah, he's got an album coming out in October, so mm-hmm. it's not. We don't know what it sounds like. It sounds basically like it's more of the same. Uh, but I will not complain <clears throat> about more of the same from Eric Church. I'm not sure if he will like. If if that particular interview will warrant like a no, a, its own treatment on our podcast, but they talk a lot about politics, uh-huh. and basically he talks about why uh, he wasn't super super jazzed about Hillary, so he didn't vote for anyone in the last election. Uh, I mean, I feel like at this point, if wh- white men who just sit it out are <laughs> like, that's fine. Like, I don't, I don't need to get you on board with on my team. I just need you to not play for the other team, please. That's fine. And he talks about the NRA. He talks shit about the NRA. In an in, in NRA? The NRA. The NRA. A which little is bit. nice. Yeah. Always like a little that. bit. I think that they really... I guess you don't need to say much, and then it becomes a headline right. when it's Eric Church saying it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, we're here to talk about Dwight, because uh, you and I finally got to see Dwight Yoakam live. Yes. Uh, and that was an exciting experience. Yeah, it was fun. We saw him at the Masonic Theater in San Francisco, California. This is the LSD tour with Lucinda Williams, Steve Earle, and then Dwight. Uh-huh. Uh, they didn't play in that order. We caught just a little bit of Steve Earle. Yeah, we caught like the tail end of Steve Earle, which I was pretty sad about, actually. But uh, we got to see Lucinda, who unfortunately was not feeling very good, uh, but like pa- still powered through like a full 10 or 11 song set, which was awesome. 
I guess I always feel like every Lucinda show is a gamble of like, you just don't know if she's going to haul off and like, whatever is going to happen. So uh, I appreciated her set a lot. And I enjoyed seeing Dwight. I thought for me, it was like, it was a weeknight. And we kind of, you know, we trudged on up to the theater, like up that you know, 45 degree yeah, hill. It was an awful hill. And then we got there. And, you know, Steve Earle was playing. It was like kind of, it was a loose and rowdy little bit that we got to hear. And then Lucinda was was having vocal issues. And, you know, when she was singing still, it was sort of like, uh, it was loosey-goosey. But the contrast then to, to Dwight, when he shows up on stage, and it's all like glitter and like crisp mm. and like snappy uh, energy. There's a lot of polish going on there. Yeah. I thought that that, I mean, it really was just like striking. Yes. Compared to everything else that had come before it. So I thought that that contrast worked well. And it really, uh, you know, it was everything that I had hoped uh, from getting to see him live finally, too. I didn't have any expectations going in other than the expectation that I will probably dislike any given concert because I so powerfully hate live music. Uh, Sorry, listeners. It's the fucking worst. Uh, But... This was fun because the theater had seats, and so as an old person, I appreciated being able to sit the fuck down. There were the people, the ushers in the front row on the downstairs bit, whose job it was to like shoo away like the, the conga line of, <laughs> of wine-drinking they, they you know, really 50-year-olds. made the effort to make sure that nobody had too much goddamn fun, which <laughs> is exactly how I like my live music experiences to be. Um, my feet hurt when I stand up for more than fucking five seconds because I have horrible feet and bunions and ankles and ballet ruined me. And so I just don't ever have fun at concerts if I can't sit down. So anyway, I love to sit down and I got to do that. But also, well, I don't know. I have many things that now in retrospect, I was impressed by at the concert and surprised by at the concert that I didn't expect after having read the book that we're going to talk about, or the chapter from the book that we're going to talk about today, which has um, planted some little mind, some little rhinestone-studded mind worms there we go. inside me. That sounds really painful. <laughs> Shall we just talk about it then? I mean, the, the, basically, the, the, the deal is, after the concert, we were talking about Dwight and realized, uh, I think neither of us really knew much about, kind of, where he, I mean, you know... I thought, I 100% <laughs> thought he was from... Bakersfield or some central California thing and had just moseyed on down to LA and like made some kind of career in LA before getting picked up by Nashville because it was probably more lucrative and then bam and that is just for to be clear that is not what happened I am 100% wrong about that whole shebang. I sort of I mean I, I, I knew about his like hillbilly bluegrass roots and Bakersfield, California, Hollywood country thing, and just, you know, enjoy all of the work that he's done acting. That is the other, you know. I do, I do like his film of. <laughs> I mean, and that's, that is, so I knew he was like, it's pretty cool, right? Like, that, that's basically all, all I knew about uh, where he's coming from. Like, and you could see also on stage when we saw him, like, he's having fun. He's funny, right? Yes. He like, he does little jokes with the guitar and yeah. like, he's. He's like playing it up and he's not super serious about everything. Right. And it comes through in his music, but like especially in the performance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I, I knew to expect that as well. Anyway, uh, I found the one biography of Dwight Yoakam. The one, the one and only biography of the one and only Dwight Yoakam. 
It's pretty incredible that... I can't believe there's not more written about Dwight Yoakam. A more than 30-year career. Yeah. Uh, and this is the one... And so this biography of him is called A Thousand Miles from Nowhere, and it's by Don McLeese, who, uh, as a music critic, he'd, he's written for Rolling Stone and uh, No Depression, the alt-country Bible. Oh, I'm familiar with what No Depression is, Patrick. Thank you so much. I'm not telling you. I'm telling everybody. <laughs> I'm just... I feel like it needs to be said. Okay. It's, you know, it's just like where his... his uh, where he's coming from. Uh, and he writes about how surprised he was that there was not a biography of Dwight Yoakam out there when he started to write his own. Lucky low, so, here he was, a country <laughs> works out well for Don. music writer that he <laughs> could do that thing. And it's good. I mean, it's a, it's a quick read. and I found it very accessible yeah. uh, while still covering some um, academic slash theoretical like performance and affect theories kind of the broad strokes, but I thought it really got into it well. I feel like the central question of the book is maybe, and maybe, you know, you've heard this before in discussions of country music, but it's about how real is Dwight did Yoakam did real country? Did the question of authenticity come up in a discussion of country music? How? Once or twice it was oh, discussed. That's very original and authentic. <laughs> and I, th- I mean, I just the whole time I was thinking about like, because, you know, I've been listening to basically everything that Dwight's got on Spotify for the last week. And loving it. And then today I just put on like the Nashville Hot Country Spotify playlist and thinking about like a discussion of authenticity with like any of that out there. And you're going to say Dwight is not country. Yeah. I mean, but it's just, so this is the mid 80s as well, which is also like not a super like real country time for what's going on in Nashville. Right. Uh, so the book talks about coming out of like the, the urban cowboy and California country rock kind of kind of stuff. Not that Dwight came out of it, but that in the, he he was popular in the era. It's sort of like where po- we post seating it. Where, where we were, it. and Dwight does like uh, like he's a big Credence fan growing up. Mm. Uh, he he talks in this this live show that's very important to his career. He he calls out John Fogarty in particular. This is the show at the Roxy that is discussed in the chapter. That yeah, I like. yeah, yeah. This is right before his uh, big tour for his first album. Uh, which, fun fact, Guitars, Cadillacs, etc., etc., uh, was the name of his EP, and that he did not have the song Guitars, Cadillacs on it. They wrote that to go on to an album by by that name. That was a very interesting fact, Patrick. Thank you so much for sharing. I read a whole book about it. But we talked about what got us into Dwight, uh, or like early Dwight memories after the concert, and that song, I think you said, was, was like, yes. uh, it that figures is, prominently? Like, yes. So I knew about Dwight, I knew about Dwight because of my friend Merritt Martin, who worked, we worked together at the Dallas Observer when I was a wee babby uh, journalist, and Merritt did a lot of really good music writing for the music section, and I did a lot of stilted and predictable writing for the music section. I got to interview Gavin Rosdale one time. Anyway, but uh, Merritt and I had desks near each other and Merritt loved Dwight so much and thought he was just like the hottest dude ever, which is correct. And so like I knew, I knew that Dwight was hot and I knew that he was a country artist and I knew that my friend Merritt, who has delightful taste in people in general and men in particular, um, like that she really liked him a lot. I'm not sure I knew specifically any Dwight song. I might have known Honky Tonk Man at that point, but I didn't know hardly any country music when I was in my early 20s anyway. And then as I got older, in general, I started to listen to more country music 
And then one time when I lived in Austin, Texas, in graduate school, I was fucking real sad because I had broken up with my horrible boyfriend for the whatever 15th or 19th or 34th time that we broke up um, and like moping around the house or whatever and listening to KGSR, uh, one of my all-time favorite radio stations, and uh, Guitars and Cadillacs came on. And I had this great old stereo system, which you will recall, Patrick. I believe I still had it when we first started dating. Um, I had this great old stereo system with these giant speakers that I had taken from my mom's house. Like, it's like, it it is, in fact, the original hi-fi CD player that was released on the popular market, if I recall correctly. And anyway, so my apartment was, like, big and echoey. And my stereo always sounded really good in there. And guitars and catalogs came on. And... Uh, I was, like, I went from, like, mopey, horrible, angry about life to, like, <laughs> like line dancing in my living room <laughs> to Guitars Cadillacs. Um, and I, if I recall correctly, and I'd have to look in my Gmail, I might have emailed the DJ and been like, thank you so much for playing that song this morning. I was having a really shitty morning. So then I was like, oh my god, Dwight is delightful. And I need to look up more Dwight songs, and I did, and I became a Dwight fan mm-hmm. from then on. And mostly, though, it was the watching the videos with the tight pants and the dancing that mm-hmm. really I found uh, okay. solidified my appreciation for him. How did you get into Dwight? I was thinking as I was reading the book that it was the first time I had considered the fact that Dwight came from somewhere and that he wasn't always going to be this country star that he is or not even country star Her- but like heroes great are made, star not born patrick but like especially growing up when i did you know in like mid 80s early 90s when dwight is like at the peak of his thing i mean i just i guess i grew up like just hearing his music around and so it was just sort of like the background that i assumed was there and so i always liked him but i never really thought a lot about him mm. uh, and so i have like like i think a thousand miles from nowhere is my favorite song of his uh, and I knew all the hits. You know, this week I've like discovered that he has probably like twice as many albums that, than the ones that I knew about. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, it was it was basically just the first three albums of his four, well, the first three, and then this time, uh, and then his movies are kind mm-hmm. of all I knew about him. But I think his weirdness, you know, this like uh, oh, he's a total fucking weirdo. Like the deadpan uh, absurdity is like exactly what I'm into. Uh, also, like from artists who, who and, would be like yes i would love to do films me country artist rock and roll guy totally into it definitely gonna do some films here's what i'll do i'll be the creepiest motherfucker who ever lived in panic room featuring jodie foster like uh-huh. what a weird raul ah oh, it's so strange i think jared leto's in that too if i oh, recall yeah. correctly yeah anyway a total another totally normal person <laughs> right it's <laughs> <laughs> just a really a cast of, of normies there apparently <laughs> Uh, like Dwight's guitarist Pete Anderson was was like constantly trying to get him to be like, oh, you like acting? How about like an Elvis type of like you know uh-huh. country like a, the one the George Strait the movie that George Strait was in where he's just like a guy who's a singer, like, <laughs> a Hard Day's Night in Bakersfield, <laughs> right? Yeah, like whatever like the pre part of Crazy Heart would have been before the like rolling around in your underwear drunk <laughs> on the bathroom floor part. Like, I don't know, just having a nice as, time. As long as Dwight kept his head on, I would watch him roll around drunk in his underwear on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the hat? I think. 
Uh, if you if y'all have never Googled Dwight Yoakam no hat, just go do just pause the podcast and go Google him and search Dwight Yoakam no hat because it's a problem. But it's like if you ever see Dwight without his hat, that's how you know he's about to murder you. <laughs> in someone else's movie, right? Like that's, that's true. That's it. It's like yes. <laughs> everything is fine as long as the hat's on. The, um, Dwight Yoko with no hat looks like he's gonna run up to you in the forest and like <laughs> tell you about the mushrooms that he's just found and like <laughs> we should all go try them. And I don't. He's like a little forest elf. Like his attitude about it, I think is I like that's that's a fun way. Into Does he know about it? What? How weird he looks with no hat on. So, well, I would rather, I mean, like, obviously he knows what he looks like with no hat on, but, like, has he commented upon it? He hasn't said that exactly, but, like, so this, the, in, in the book we're talking about, Don McLeese recounts the story of an early interview that he did in Chicago with Dwight, uh, when he's, like, pretty famous, but not super famous. And he says that he goes to, uh, like, the, what is it, the Four Seasons? He goes to, you know, like, not a very country hotel lobby to meet him for this interview and he shows up with a houston colt 45s hat like the the old astros uh-huh. team uh and he said like he just he kind of liked the 45 because it's it's like a you know the rpm like it's a, like it's almost a music thing uh-huh. but he the, so he writes about how weird it is to see dwight without a cowboy hat on and like with with another kind of hat on instead which i guess is like garth Without a cowboy hat. Oh, Garth! When Garth wears the fucking baseball cap, he looks like he is about to chew your ass out for missing a corner of the lawn. He has. And you're like, gonna get your ass back out there, young man, and mow that thing properly, or you're not coming in here for dinner yet. Absolutely, like Garth <laughs> in a in a baseball hat is another very strong look. It's not the <laughs> cowboy hat look, but it's it's like he's probably got his sweatpants on mm-hmm. and his like baggy denim jacket. Uh huh. so in this book he says i'd never seen a picture of dwight without some sort of cowboy hat which reinforced his image as the lean laconic cowboy the strong silent type Uh so he says they have a whole interview and apparently dwight is like a real talker like he'll just like talk on and on and on and for for hours okay and he says he has you know how you save the last the hard question for the last thing in an interview right so you don't because you don't want to alienate them you don't want them to storm off his last question in here was he asked Dwight if he would take his hat off. Could I see what he was hiding under there? <laughs> Whoa, I got a little... Uh, yikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says, not that I really cared about the state of his locks or lack thereof, <laughs> but his response would be indicative of how closely he guarded his image. Ah. Uh, and he says, without hesitation, he just uh, smiled and tipped his hat off. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, right. I guess the point is that, like, he knows when he's got the hat on, he's playing right. the part of, like, Dwight, like, the sex symbol, right. like, lean, cool cowboy guy. Uh, and he can play some entirely different part without it on. That's true. I mean, it, it's it's transformational. I mean, like, it's a different, it's a different person entirely. I think, I don't know. I think it's cool. I mean, this this thing about him, like, playing a role all the time, I think that's the central thing in the book, is about the extent to which Dwight is, like, playing a part when he's on stage mm. performing, or, or if that's, like, really him, or, like, how much of it mm. is him. And he says he says in the book that... He talked to a lot of people who didn't want to to comment, didn't want to do interviews because they weren't like great fans of of like working with Dwight or didn't really know him, but whatever. And like the dig they always got in was that he's a really good actor. <laughs> <laughs> Not only a great musician, he's an excellent actor. 
chapter. <laughs> Burn. Right, but I guess, like, you know. Sure. The whole thing is an act. Of course it is. Right. I mean, that's my that's my take, too. I mean, that, that live recording of him in L.A., like, you can hear him ham up the, the hillbilly thing mm. a little bit, like, between songs mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think that he probably did at the show we saw him yeah. uh, in. But he's also, like, at the start of his career, like, in L.A., like, really trying. Well, why wouldn't you, though? Like, right. yeah. Like, you're you're there, like, performing for a mostly rock and roll crowd, trying to sell them on the fact that you're kind of, that you are a country artist, even if you have a rock and roll band. Uh, and it's funny. Like, it's funny yeah. to ham up country stuff, especially if your songs already have a fundamental sense of humor. I I can't think of another... Well, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with this thought and see where it takes me. Um, I can't think of another musical genre. No, I can. Mm, but on stage, okay. I guess I have. I I'm probably haven't seen enough live hip hop or rap performances to know the extent to which this happens. But country performers seem very happy and confident to ham up the country aspect of their performance, specifically in a mockingly self-referential way. And while the hip-hop performances I've seen have occasionally been critical of hip-hop or done funny skits or whatever, like, occasionally that might be commentaries on the industry. I think that country is just like very specifically cool with hee-hawing it up mm-hmm. in a way that I, I don't, I'm not sure other genres are like as a rule, super comfortable with that. I think the, the like we're out in a party in a field with our red solo like, cups, not the reds. I mean, a little bit red solo cups, but like, I'm thinking of like uh Brantley Gilbert kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, they're trying to make country life cool. Like actually cool and not in a funny way. Oh, I see. Of like, yeah. Even Florida Georgia Line is a is a joke. <laughs> there, I mean, like they are a joke, but like they're they're telling a joke. Florida Georgia Line is fucking performance art and cannot be discussed legitimately Must on be. a country podcast. Must be. <laughs> uh, but I mean, that they're telling a joke about kind of country stuff in a way. That, but there's there are people who are on the radio now who are like really trying to sell you on like this cool life they've got. Right. In in the country in particular. And right. that's not what Dwight is talking about. No. Uh in you know, in, in like where he's from a bit. I mean, his he was born in Kentucky and he would visit his family there when it come back from Columbus. If uh, I recall correctly, he went to the Ohio State University. For like a minute, I Did think. He? Yeah. Okay. He found that college was not for him. Mm. A couple of a couple of fun facts I learned about Dwight Yoakum from Lay the it book. On me. All right, so he was a uh he was a freight driver. He was a hamburger chef. <laughs> in LA when he was trying to make it. He's a vegetarian, which makes it funnier that he had to cook hamburgers <laughs> all the time. He also, according to this book, has never had a drink. What? In his life, he was raised like very conservative Christian and as is a teetotaler, right? No. So like all of those drinking All of this all of these drinking songs mm-hmm. are a lie. Forget it. Why Yoakum is a now? sham. He's a fraud and I want no part of him. <laughs> Uh, but like, if so, he performs it extremely well. What I a have good, to say. what a good sham. <laughs> that I do find that to be surprising. Isn't it amazing, actually. I mean, like those. Well, it's just because his drinking songs are so good. Mm-hmm. Although maybe that's like 
uh, I might think too highly in general of, of the drinking song genre because I do love them so much. And his voice sells them so well, yeah. too, right? I mean, you couldn't... I mean, that's one thing. His voice just sells you on anything. Okay, I want to talk about how you feel about Dwight's tight pants and Elvisy sexual gyrations. Because uh, I know how I feel about it as a fan who finds him attractive, mm-hmm. but... I don't know how you feel about it as a person who is not attracted to dudes. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's the fun persona that he puts on stage. I mean, I think it's, it's like a good show, you know? I mean, like we see it in in the videos as well. His performance in videos makes his stardom, right? Oh, yes. And that's, that's like, especially where you see him like hamming up the country sex pot kind (laughs) of, kind of thing he's got, like. But like it's also he's like brooding, but like he's not actually like he's got his hat on, so he's not going to hurt you. Like he's not, <laughs> like he's not threatening. He's never threatening. He's just he's just like very cool and being the hot looking country guy. You don't find that threatening as a masculine consumer of country music. I don't. I mean, maybe also because it's less, old. Do you think less chill dudes feel differently about that? Yeah, when and like. Well, there's this really there's this music critic in the book that he talks about who was like super on board with Bruce Springsteen, but thinks Dwight Yoakam is oh come on is bullshit, which is it's the exact same trick of like wear tight jeans. Fucking Bruce Springsteen is out there in his little like a shirt with his tight pants and sweating and taking his little bandana off and like dancing with Courtney. Oh come on! I mean, I think the lesson from that is like somehow like you can pull that off if it's rock, but if it's country, then like that's not the way to be legit. I mean, there aren't a lot of sexy male country artists. Name one besides Dwight. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I was reaching for, like, <laughs> Luke Combs. I mean, or, like, like, I don't know. Like, Sam Outlaw is cute, but he's not sexy. And Eric Church is, like, kind of attractive. Kenny Chesney is trying real hard Poor to, to Kenny Chesney. Poor videos. dear sweet Kenny Chesney. Speaking of people who keep their hats on and look oh, different. Oh, yeah, for sure. Kenny Chesney, though, is, like, I mean, we all know that whole thing is the, like, feigned heterosexuality is a uh, is an obvious performance which is another we should just do a whole queer theory episode about kenny chesney i think we should (laughs) but i don't know like i just always have generally found it surprising because with apologies to male country fans i don't find them the most chill when it comes to masculine gender norms and performance of sexuality and overt performance of sexuality by other men. And so I am pleased, but surprised, the extent to which Dwight is able to get away with that. Can I read you a passage from the book that speaks to this? Lay it on me. He says, Though sexuality has long been a driving force in popular music. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for reading my high school essay. (laughs) But that's the preface. Males tend to find qualities with such appeal to females... To be spurious, suspect, all sizzle, and no steak. There you go. And in parentheses, as if the meatiest steak couldn't also sizzle. <laughs> so I think the lesson here is Fair that point. Dwight is that meatiest steak. That, like, <laughs> that also sizzles. I mean, he's dancing around in his tight jeans, but like, oh, but, or and. Uh, like, his music is really good, and he's putting on a show, and it's all part of the show. Like, it's, the whole thing is all in service of this bigger thing. Yes. And we, well, and we recently discussed Midland mm. in light of Dwight. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, how their video uh, in particular. Drinking problem. Right. 
its drinking problem has them sharing the microphone, mm-hmm. and there's some butt shots, I believe, mm-hmm. in that one. And then there's the one where they're at Billy Bob's, I think, or Gillies, performing on the rotating stage. That one is more Dwighty to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's the like a shirts and tight pants. We talked about whether this is an example of the female gaze in country music videos, indeed, which uh, are not typically uh, known for that. Right. And I I will be clear also, I refer to it as the female gaze because I'm inverting the male gaze. This is a non-male trope. gaze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's not but no, cuz it might still be a male gaze. It's a non-hetero cis dude gaze. Like I don't I don't I don't want to reinforce heteronormativity by suggesting that the only way to look at an attractive man is to be a woman and to have a female gaze Mm because that's reductive true yeah but in terms of the trope and the way we talk about it it's a female gaze Mm -hmm. i think midland does has the same sort of sense of humor about uh how hot they are right and how much their butts should be in a video. <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing they can play with and like yes. use it to make their videos like stand out and like show that they have a sense of humor about things. Mm-hmm. All right, let's leave it there. All right, we're going to go off and listen to some more Dwight now. Yay, ha. That was the intro to Guitars in the Cadillac. <laughs>